Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, whatever part of your day that you're in, whether it's getting ready for work or driving to or from work, changing diapers, baking, cooking, cleaning, conference period or lunch, driving up and down the road. I'm glad that you're here. For those of y'all that continue to share the podcast, to tell others about it, I'm very grateful for your time and energy efforts. For those of y'all that are supporting the podcast financially over on Patreon, thank y'all for that as well. And for those of y'all that are kind enough to leave encouraging notes on social media or other places, I'm very grateful for that, and I will, as I said, or say often, try and use your time wisely. Not a whole lot to report. It's been so wet for the last, really, two or three weeks that I haven't had a chance to get out and do much of anything in the garden. We planted those Jerusalem artichokes a while back. I need to get out there and plant, replant some beans and corn. A lot of that didn't come up for some reason. So maybe we'll do that coming up. Just kind of see. School is winding down. uh, At least for those of us across the nation that don't do year-round school. And so that always makes the timeline tight. (laughs) We may come back and talk about that. We do every so often. We definitely need to come back to it. All right, so we're going to, well, first of all, I'm going to get my priorities in mind. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the time to record this podcast. Thank you, thank you for the time to that you've given all of us to try and help our country turn back around. Thank you for the people that listen to and share this podcast. Be with them and their families. Guide them through the day. Thank you for all the many blessings you've bestowed upon us, both individually and as a nation. The resources, space, the people, the land, the prosperity. For the people that came before us and were willing to sacrifice so much for us. That were willing to sacrifice their lives and their fortunes. Their families who were willing to give them or that gave them even when they weren't willing, really. Forgive us, Lord. Guide us. Help us to do your will. Help us to seek you and your kingdom, your righteousness first. Help us to love you with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. 
and give me the words that you want me to speak. Father, your son's name we pray. Amen. So we're going to go back into faults. Uh, we do that every few months and just kind of happened to stumble into him this time, but we're going to go back and read some more. Uh, maybe for a couple days. We'll just see. We might move on after a day. And we'll come back and talk about education and timing, etc. That seems uh, relevant considering we're at the end of the school year or getting there for a number of people across the country. So this again, this is out of the Book of Patriotism, which is one of the many books in the Young Folks Library from the turn of the 19th into the 20th century. This is a lecture given by Reverend W.H.P. Fonts. Now, why should we love especially our country, the United States of America? Certainly, we should not love America simply because of its size. We should not boast of America simply because of its bigness. Africa is far larger than our republic. Thousands of its square miles stretch out under the sun, and for ages they have not produced a man. Russia is marvelous in its bigness, sprawling over Asia and Europe, and held in the grip of an absolute and relentless despotism. Does any man love Russia because it is so big? Why, the little countries of this world have been the greatest countries, usually. The smallest countries have usually done the most for the world, as, for instance, Greece and Italy, Switzerland and Palestine. These are the names that have made history and shaped the world. And it is not raising marble to the 25th story on Lower Broadway that makes this country glorious. It is not whitening the seas on every side with the sails of our fleet. It is not the size of our wheat fields or the depths of our mines or the splendor of our manufacturers. Bigness is never greatness. So, uh, a huge point here in these first couple paragraphs, and then he breaks it down into three reasons. And uh, I, I probably would put his in reverse order of importance, uh, but that may actually be what he meant in, in putting the least important first and the most important last. I don't know that. But the point here is, you know, what makes a community great? What makes people want to live there? What makes people want to emulate a state or a nation or a community? And it's not, uh, it, it can be temporarily uh, money, prestige, fame, success, you certainly see that in, in small communities across the country, or, or big ones, I just mean, but you see it in communities where, for example, they have a phenomenal uh, academic program or athletic program, right? And so 
people from the outside looking in, they go, man, that looks like a great place to uh, live just on the surface. So let's move there. But those really are superficial decisions. Those are shallow decisions. And in the end, they, they don't help the person that's moving there, uh, except perhaps temporarily. And they certainly hurt that community uh, because the success is a result of something. That's a result of something that we don't focus on hardly at all today, but that our founders focused on intently. Uh, and you can make the argument kind of in a roundabout way that that was the whole point of the revolution. And that that is character, virtue, right? The, the principles of Christ, all of those truths, the antithesis of hypocrisy, right? Rule of law, treating all men as if they were created equally. That's what makes a school or a community, uh, a state or a nation, a great place to live. That's what makes it truly desirable. You can have success uh, without those things. Often you look around and you see what you would really consider bad men being very successful. And it's frustrating. Of course, the Bible tells us to expect that and to not get disheartened by that. I think Psalm 37, if I remember correctly, is a great place to look uh, when you're concerned about that. Uh, because God watches and he sees. And there will there will come a reckoning where the price is required for those actions. And that's true of us all. Uh, all the more reason uh, to acknowledge President Jefferson's quote about trembling because he knew that God was just and that his justice wouldn't sleep forever. But it's that character, that virtue, that defines a place, that makes it truly desirable. And the other things will come to some extent with that. But that can't ever be the basis. And so that's what that's what's made America great. It's not our size, like Fonce was saying here. It's not our manufacturers. It's not our armories. There's a great quote by a, a Filipino general from World War II. And we what he talks about that, he and he says specifically that the thing that makes you great is your soul. It's your your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why you're great. And so the more we reject God, and we have over the last 80 years, the farther we go down that path, the more we lose our greatness. So the first thing here, Fonce says, we should love our country, first of all, because it stands for freedom. For several years in my boyhood, I went every summer to Concord, Massachusetts, and I loved as a boy to look at that statue of the Concord Minuteman standing on the bridge across the little creek, with Emerson's famous inscription at its base, by the rude bridge that arched the flood, their flag to April's breeze unfurled. Here once the embattled farmers stood and fired the shot heard round the world. Why was that shot heard round the world? What was the principle behind it? The principle behind it was self-government, freedom from every yoke 
and oppression. The principle was, as Abraham Lincoln put it, the right to possess a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Freedom from tyranny, freedom from oppressive law and illegal absorption, usurpation of every kind. That was the spirit of 76. But after the revolution was over, one great blot remained upon this country. African slavery. We professed to love freedom, but in all our southern states was heard the cry of that dark-skinned race, calling unto God for liberty. Then uprose the spirit of 61 and said, This country shall not divide for the sake of perpetuating slavery. We will fight for union and liberty, now and forever, one and inseparable. And in 1863, Abraham Lincoln put, with a stroke of his pen, his signature on the Emancipation Proclamation. And since then, no slave has walked or can walk on our American soil. Thirty-five years later, the spirit of freedom uprose once again. In 1898, just off our coast, lay the Pearl of the Antilles, the beautiful island of Cuba, groaning beneath the heel of Spanish oppression. The spirit of American freedom said to Spain, Make Cuba free or reckon with us. Spain's answer was continued cruelty, and our response was the destruction of the fleet, the charge up the heights of San Juan, and the hoisting of the flag over Santiago and Havana. Havana. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> now, my brothers, to love our country is to love this freedom. Freedom political, social, industrial, and religious. To believe in that freedom, to stand for it, to do our utmost to perpetrate, perpetrate it in the world around. That is to love our country. We want no governmental control over our churches and no governmental aid for our churches. We want the government to give us freedom to work in our own way, to do our own tasks. To believe in freedom is to believe in our country. And I don't agree with every single thing that Fonce wrote here. Uh, just as I have said often, although it's been a while, uh, y'all aren't going to agree with every single thing I say here on this podcast. Uh, we, it's, it's any of y'all that are married know that well enough. It's even the person that you're supposed to love more than anybody else in the entire world. Uh, you don't agree with on every single issue, uh, but I do agree with the core points here. It's the principles that we were founded on freedom, liberty, right? And we go back to Chronicles in the new Testament. Where do you find liberty? You find liberty where the Spirit of God is. You can't find liberty without that Spirit. And, and you notice here, talking about slavery and the slaves calling out to God, right? You, Where have we turned for guidance? We turn to God for guidance in the history of our country. You talk about the Revolutionary War. You talk about the Civil War. Uh, he talks here about the Spanish-American War and the requirement for Spain to either free Cuba or deal with us. And it's an interesting little note as I was reading that, a, a little thought that popped into my head. 
you hear so often today about how horrible uh, America is, how horrible, uh, well, there's no other way to say it besides because the left forces the focus to be so often uh, on race and gender and ethnicity, but how horrible uh, our white male forefathers were, and yet they managed to create the greatest nation on earth. And who fought and died primarily for the slaves to be free, but white Christian men and women, right? And, and you talk about Cuba here and you say, oh, well, we're just a greedy capitalist society. And at this point, we had different races, different nations, right? Or not nations, not, but, but ethnicities fighting. And what did we do? We went to help others. That doesn't mean that we didn't have any selfish interests, that there weren't interests for us that might be financial. But the point is that we still spread liberty to another place in the world. Well, how did we spread it? We spread it because we were spreading those principles of Jesus Christ. Did we apply them incorrectly sometimes? Absolutely. Right? You notice that he said that we had one blot, one great blot remained upon this country, and that was slavery. You know, so when you look at a founding of our country and you see slavery, that doesn't tell you that we are systemically racist and oppressive. What that tells you is that we didn't follow our doctrines, our systems, our principles. And that was the great failing. Right? So, uh, we'll talk, we will, we'll come back to this one more day. And we will spend another day reading through another couple pages of fonts. It's really good stuff. Uh, and it's, it's probably the most damning thing enlightening at the same time is to see that this was a book specifically made for children at the turn of the 19th to 20th century. Uh, and it shows you just how far we've fallen in education and quality, uh, what we teach, how, well, you know, maybe not, it doesn't show you how, but it, it could just the, everything from the content to the vocabulary uh, we have a long way to go to get back to the standards that we used to have to take back our culture and education from the left and to do what is right and just and best for our children and for our nation as far as education goes and, and culture and society. So. God bless y'all. God bless your families. God bless your marriages. I appreciate y'all joining me as always. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon, folks. Looking forward to it.